Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? It's another exciting episode. It's another Top Ten. Uh, we're doing a lot of these recently, but we realized, so we have a bunch of these series and we kind of gave up on them for a bit, so we're bringing them back. We're doing uh, our, we're going to go through every set block in Modern uh, and review them and do our Top Ten Most Influential Cards from that set and uh, do another five honorable mentions like normal. Um, we did 8th and ninth edition before. We did more of just go through every card, and I feel like every time we've ever done one of those going through every card, one card at a time for an entire set, they're really, really long and really, really boring. So, we just kind of ramble for a while. Yeah, we're just like, oh yeah, that card, it does something. But doing top 10 seemed to be more exciting. You guys seem to like them. I seem to like editing them more, so <laughs> we're going to do these now. Uh, yeah, this will be cool. So so we did 8th and ninth edition. Uh, wh- when we do come back to core sets, we'll do 10th edition and M10 probably. Yeah. Um, we'll do them in little sets of two. Otherwise, we're going to do, because those are essentially large sets, right. we're going to do a block. So this is going to be Mirrodin. Dark Steel, uh, Dark Steel, and Fifth Dawn, which I believe were originally released in what O three. Uh, I, I didn't play them, so I don't even know time wise. It's like between O two and O three, or O three and O four. But... I tried like listening to the Morrow, the Mark Rosewater Drive to Work podcast on at least Mirrodin Block, and I yeah. couldn't find it. I don't think he's done it yet. So he I was like, eh, I got nothing. So yeah. I have no history on this set at all. This is definitely so. This is the front end of modern. They they always say you know it's eighth edition is the first core set. This is the first expansion set. Um, this is notable because it's when the card face was changed. Um, this is. The introduction to indestructible, indestructible introduction of equipment. Like, there's a lot of new stuff that came out of this set. Yeah, they they also they've gone on record, I think, uh, several times as saying that the two most broken blocks of all time were the Urza's block and the Mirrodin block. Right. Just in terms of sheer power level of some of the cards, and it's evidenced by the fact that there's I think nine cards banned out of this from modern. Right. Well, so the, the other thing that's interesting about this is they're different. So where Urza's block had a bunch of extraordinarily singularly powerful cards, this set. Uh, suffered from a thing where it's one of the reasons that uh, Devoid came out for Battle of Zendikar in the first place. So much of the set was just colorless cards that eventually just you, the best deck had the best card, every card available to it because it could play any of these really good cards because they're all colorless and you get this kind of what uh, development teams called the blob because it's just every single card in the format in one just giant deck that's better than every other deck. Yeah, in standard, and, like in standard, you'll hear stories about this block where artifact was so much more powerful than anything else. Well, you're either playing affinity or you're playing cards that were like main decking uh, artifact destruction. Yeah, well, like I think I think it's Raphael, um, not Raphael, who, who Raphael, one of the most famous pros of all time, or Nasif maybe one of the super 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 famous. Oliver Rule, I don't know. One of the most Whatever. famous pros ever <laughs> at that Pro Tour. I'm fairly certain played eight main deck artifact destruction spells, yeah, like main deck sense. four oxidize this, the, and four the, shatter. This like is that. comparable to Cobblade when Cobblade was just all that was standard. This is comparable to Combo Winter. Like this is one of the dark eras of standard. <laughs> yeah, I mean they had to ban cards in standard, like They've done think, that four times ever. I think Skullcap was banned before the set was even released, actually, now that I remember it correctly. I want to say Skullcap yeah, was banned the week it before it came out. Right. Skullcap is one of... For those no, no, no. Skullcap Skull was standard legal. The card you're thinking of is... Uh, um, the Memory Jar? Memory Jar was the one that... Memory Jar is the only card that was ever banned before packs were opened. Well, Skullclamp is, is very... Quickly, yeah, yeah, Let's quickly go over the banned list cards here so that when we do our top tens, nobody's wondering why they're not on there. Yeah, yeah. So you have the five artifact lands, right. Tree of Tells, Seed of Synod, Vault of Whispers, Great Furnace, and the white one. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't right? remember what it is. Yeah. Uh, the two cards that – and beyond those, there was only two other cards banned when the f- format was created. So that's uh, Chrome Mox. Yeah, a Mox. And, yeah, and uh, Skull Clamp. Yes. And Skull, so Skull Clamp is one colorless for an equipment that equips for one colorless target creature. Equipped creature gets plus one, minus one. When equipped creature is placed in the graveyard or now reads dies, draw two cards. Right. Just the most preposterous piece of equipment. Oh, yeah. Well, so so something to remember with this set, and it's a little inherent, but this is kind of a good example, is equipment were created here. So they didn't know how to deal with them, how to balance them, how to make them correctly. So the power level differential between some of the equipment that are just, like, blatantly unpowerful to some of the equipment that are some of the most powerful cards ever printed right. is, like, insane. And this also was a mistake. They changed it last minute because they thought it was too powerful at... Uh, plus two, plus zero with this effect. So they made it plus one, minus one instead. Was it really plus two, plus zero? Or was it plus one, plus one? I think oh, it, it might have po- been plus one, plus one. It was right. plus two, plus zero. It was just Bone Splitter, except just Bone Splitter Ooh, are rare that draws right. you two cards, which wouldn't be fair at all. So I think it must have been plus one, plus one, and draw cards. And they didn't realize, like, oh, yeah, this just becomes Ancestral Visions attached to Ancestral Recall attached to equipment. Well, and also because of the way they print cards, they're designing blocks ahead of time. This is another reason that GTA got printed, because they, they hadn't they hadn't actually seen these cards played yet, equipment played, right. before GTA was already greenlit and already going to be put into packs. Had they actually seen this happen and realized of what was going on with Skull Clamp, I'm sure GTA would not have existed. Oh, yeah. And, and and to be totally honest, the Cobblade era, one of the biggest problems with it was sort of Feast and Famine because that plus counter magic makes it so you can lock opponents out of the game, soft yeah. lock. And the only reason that set had those cards at that power level, and I would say that any of the equipment was as high as it was during Scars and Mirrodin block, was because of how powerful this equipment was, and they had it, had to match up the 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 protection swords to continue to the continue the cycle. cycle. And so those were too high of a power level for standard. That also led them to like be like, oh, we should make other powerful equipment, and then they forgot Stoneforge Mystic existed. So like Scars and Mirrodin was the. Well, half of the broken things out of Scars and Mirrodin block were because of this block as well. Yeah, also, so two times since Modern's Inception have they had to ban a card in a combo deck. Both times, or at least at least two times, but both times they times, were but... from Mirrodin block. One of them was Seething Song, which was banned out of Storm, which is one red, two colorless, I think instant or sorcery. Uh, instant, instant might be wrong, think, yeah. But it adds it's it's three mana CMC to add five red to your mana pool. Right, that's been banned. Uh, and then also second sunrise, which is a rare for Mirrodin, which is white, white, colorless. Also, I think for an instant rare that uh, return to the battlefield all permanents that were placed into your graveyard this yeah, turn. Yeah, sure, correct. Part of eggs. So both of those combo decks got axed with a Mirrodin. And card. then the other one was Cloud Post, which was originally the original bad, big bad of the first modern Pro Tour. Like, yeah, that where was you the deck that everyone. Post, all yeah. the locust lands. And it was kind of what Tron play. is now. Uh, with just a much more explosive start. You sort of wonder that if that was legal again, like would would it be as powerful or the format's come so far since then, like people have adapted and know it so much better now. I just wonder if people would get around it. Like Blood Moon's so prominent, you know, people main deck and, and like, I don't know. Anyway, that's a, right. a tangent. But uh, So yeah, a lot of cards banned in the set. There's an argument to be made probably that like if Wizards started from Kamigawa block, they'd save themselves a lot of trouble in the format. Though I personally am a big fan of moving even farther back. I think Stifle should be in the format, but that's just me. It'll eventually get reprinted. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, the modern ban list. Before we get into our actual top ten, I do want to uh, remind everyone to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am personally at Kess Wiley. And I'm at Ben Bateman Media. You guys can also find our audio now that we're doing in video form yep. on the YouTube channel, uh, which is 
youtube.com slash webisodes network yes and that uh, we are going to be uploading every single week on friday this will come out on tuesday every week and on friday there will be the video version of this that has all the card images we're talking about um at any of the twitter hashtags that's that type of stuff so you can find that every single week uh we also have a facebook page now that's also new we just decided like we were ignoring a bunch of different social media and decided yeah. to jump on train so check out uh just search the mm cast i think it's actually facebook.com slash the mm cast uh last but not least check out our sister podcast the command zone uh jimmy and josh do a bunch of awesome awesome commander content uh and that's super relevant right now because the commander sets just came out so they'll be probably doing their reviews in the next week or so so you should go check them out uh, all right now top 10 yeah, let's top do top it. Top. So we're doing this thing now, guys, where when we do this, we, we try to just knock it out in one take. We're like, man, we've done this long enough. We've done 50-some-odd episodes, and uh, we don't swear. <laughs> we just don't ever <laughs> do it. Good at it. And uh, we have a, a rapport, and all the mistakes seem funny to us. So we just decide if we make them to leave them in. So if you hear something, a jumble, a pause, if we can't remember what something costs, we're leaving it intentionally for your sake. Yeah, you get to see. This is uncut, uncut edited, raw Real. This is real. The MM cast late night, raw, and uncut. Right. All right. So, <laughs> number 10. Uh, I normally start, so why don't, you, why don't you give your number 10 first? I'm going to go with Oblivion Stone. Oblivion Stone, okay. colorless sweeper out of, uh, out of the Tron decks. It's, it's not actually uniquely that powerful of a card. It's sort of like... Uh, it's one of the only board wipes that you can play under Gattactig. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> well, it is, powerful. it is powerful in the sense that... It's powerful in the same way that, like, the seal cycle, originally from Nemesis, I think, that got reprinted in Ravnica, is, is, is powerful, which is where you play a permanent that once it's on the table, your mana investment is what it is. And so now, like, there's a sweeper on the table. And right. It's not so three. you don't have to use it then. But so to, to explain what Oblivion Stone does, it's three mana for an artifact. Uh, and for four mana, you can tap it to put a fake counter on target permanent which is semi-irrelevant other than the fact that for five mana, you can sacrifice Oblivion Stone and destroy every single non-land permanent that does not have a fate counter on it. So yeah, ba- basically this is one of those cards that is indicative of, of when they want to print things at common versus when they want to print things at rare. Like they would never ever print a card that, that is like this complicated at common for well, a new also, player. Right, oh, true. it's referencing a type of counter that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's like... Oh, there's the Myogens. Yeah, okay. Which were also in standard, I guess, at the same time as this card, but that's irrelevant. But I don't think those were fate counters on the Myogens. Yeah, I think they were. Oh, it doesn't matter. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they were. Okay, whatever. Okay, whatever. Uh Oblivion Stone, it's cool. Yeah. It it's does a lot of damage. This is actually my number eight. Okay. It's uh, powerful. It's it's uh It's it's one of the it's probably the most played legitimate board wipe in the format. Unless you like Full board wipe, not including Pyroclasm. Yeah, which is also by the same deck. Yeah, it's yeah, it is definitely, and it's one of those situations where you're like, okay, well, once this is on the table, you still have to pay five mana to nuke something, right? But the thing that's so good about this is that once it's down the table, you then have the option to play reactively for the rest of the game until it's removed. Well, it's also in Tron, so like, what is five mana for me is two mana for them. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um. So and and generally on turn three, four, they can cast this and and. Like, they can, as a normal board wipe, just cast and pop it. It's a niche card in the sense that if I'm building, if I'm brewing, um, this is not usually going to be a card that comes to mind for me. It's just, it specifically fits in a Tron because it's colorless and it's big mana. By the way, on the subject of brewing, we did mention in last week's episode that we are going to be doing a brewing contest that references cards that you guys named. And we decided we wanted a little bit of extra time because the list that well, we brought we, to the table... we normally record these earlier than a full week after things, so we like to give you guys a full week between recording and release, so... 
we'll it'll be on for next week. Yes, exactly. We wanted a little more time to make the lists cohesive, so we were sharing actual information as opposed right. to just like like we just got in the votes today. So if we were to the yeah. list we would give you would be disingenuously not tested or even looked at. But we're doing a brewing episode like once a month. That'll be next week. Yeah, so. true. Uh, so number ten, my number ten, uh, Lantern of Insight. So this is a little you bit actually put it. In yeah, your top this is 10? one of the. This is the probably the loosest ad I think maybe, but it, it's definitely only seen its power level pop up recently in the Lantern decks, the Lantern Control decks. But it did just win a GP. Um, so I think in the current modern metagame, this is yeah. one of the most influential cards from this set. In the history of modern, maybe not. But in the last year, definitely. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's... It's uh, also, like, r- just dominating Moto. I mean, it's it's, like, powerful in the sense that it's powerful. Like, any any card that's in a greater, you know, web of powerful cards that are part of one strategy is powerful, but it's not actually a powerful card at all. And granted, I, mean, I understand... The deck wouldn't exist without... There's only two cards... It, I think in Magic's history, at least at below five mana, that do this effect. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see it, and I didn't even make my honorable mentions, but I guess it's it's. I get it in the same sense that certain cards on here are powerful just because they're part of a strategy. It is powerful, so I'll, right. I'll give that to you. Um, didn't make my list at all. I'm gonna go with <laughs> well, good. My that means number... we're gonna cover more cards. <laughs> number nine, a card that very likely would end up getting played in many Grand Architect decks across the world, which could be said about a lot of the cards. Rolling in this my set. eyes, you can't tell. Uh, and that is Vidalcan Shackles. Okay. That's also on my list, a little bit higher. Shackles is a sweet, sweet card. In fact, I, my, your 10 and 9 are my 8 and 7. Okay. Yeah, so we're close. We're close in our, our, our estimations. So, uh, guys who don't know, uh, Vidalcan Shackles is 3 mana for an artifact. Uh, and you can choose not to untap Vidalcan Shackles during your untap step. And for 2 mana, you can tap it to gain control of target creature... Uh, that has converted mana cost equal or less than the amount of islands you control. Is it CMC or power? S- powerless. Sorry, you're correct. Uh, it is power. Now, some would argue this is a blue card, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter because it's from Scars of Mirror and Black, and we're not doing artifacts. We're doing Scars of Mirror and Block. Yes. Or by Scars, I mean regular <laughs> Mirror and Block. <laughs> All mistakes in the show. Um, it's uh, it's a good card. It, it, this card, I want to say, got played in the Blue Moon deck, the, uh, the top even, eight. Like, it did, for yeah. sure. It did, right? Yeah, yeah. That was like half the deck. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like Shackles and, Bl- and Blood Moon yeah. and then like a bunch. Yeah. So it's a cool card. I've seen this played in Twin before. Um, our, our... I see a lot of play in Twin. I, I would say its biggest hit right now yeah. um, is the fact that Colgan's Command just wrecks this card. Yeah, totally. Um, if Right now, there's a lot of decks that are just running main deck artifact hate that's more efficient than what this card is doing. So it's a little bit of a liability. Colgan's Command, when you really think about what it's done, like in terms of its, its the, the warp it's had on the format, yeah. the kind of things you can play now, the number good. of cards that are just like just voided, kind of like you just can't really get away with. Like this is a pretty good card that's underplayed, as opposed to like this pretty good card that's underplayed now gives a main deck versatile cheap instant spell another target, and I'm wasting my time by putting it in my deck. It's such a bummer. I, I mean, I was mere superior. Yeah, such a hit. but I would also say it's it's. I like what it's doing in the sense that modern. One of the biggest complaints for modern is that there are too many ways people can come at you from too many directions to be able to kind of prepare for a tournament, and it's all just a lottery of matchups. And Colgan's command does a lot to help that specific problem in the sense that. A player who wants to be able to do more controly activities can come to a tournament and be able to be like, okay, well, this card helps me cover control, creature decks, and artifact-based decks. Great. And let's let's move on. But yeah, I mean, it, I definitely see. Yeah, it's a powerful card. Um, 
it's not gonna like I just sort of hope that there's a moment where Colagon's command rotates a little bit and it's not not like it rotates properly. I think that's happening. I think it's seeing less play than it used to. I think yeah. the format has I think possibly if another mod, like GP Pittsburgh, yeah, like playing a deck that's a little weak to Colgan's Command wouldn't be that much of a mistake because I think Colgan's Command is lessening in its power level. It still just sucks that it exists. That's going to be in sideboards. Anyway, um, so my number my, nine, yeah. Uh, so I cheated again with my number. My nine and ten are a little looser, but uh, so I pick. I put three technical cards here. So I put my uh, affinity. Um, <laughs> Your affinity package? Yeah, no, not, not my whole. No, the infinity land package. So blink moth, blink moth nexus, dark steel citadel, and glimmer void. Interesting. Okay, you separated them. Yeah. So I actually didn't. You just did a whole pocket of affinity cards. No, no, no. I, glimmer void. I didn't even put on my list. Just well, cause... it's the lands versus like it, it's kind of fell yeah, into both things. I didn't. I didn't put uh, glimmer void into my list and blink moth. I didn't include either, though I probably should have. Darkstill Citadel I did include, but I attached it to the spot for me that has Ravager okay. plating, which See, is See, I think actually Blink Moth is more powerful than Darkstill, um, even though Darkstill is so high in our top ten artifacts list, right. and we're just not going to talk about that moment in my life. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, these are... Blink Moth Nexus, for those who don't know, one mana, you can turn it into a 1-1 flying artifact, and then you can tap it to give other... Uh, well, whatever type of creature it is. Other, um, other Blink Moth... Other ink moth, not ink moth, but whatever, whatever type of creature type it is, plus one, plus one. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of like ink moth, which is the same creature type, but just has infect as a one one. Right. Um. Which is kind of cool because this can pump ink moth, which is a cool versatile thing it can do. Right. Um, those crossovers from set design. Right. Exactly. But kind of this whole package. These are the lands. These are all kind of vaguely artifact lands. They all, you know, glimmer vo- uh, void is the reason that the deck is multicolored it's the reason it can play blue red and black cards it is target blink moth gets close. okay blink moth okay um and yeah i think just they're all really important in the feeling package uh something i tried really hard to do and it's why i and you i think did the same thing we grouped together our affinity cards right because otherwise it's just going to be like which 10 cards from this block have played in affinity and that's not interesting and that's kind of what i did for the top 10 artifacts so right I'm just mixing it up totally uh all right number eight Crucible of Worlds. Okay. This, this is not on your list? Uh, this isn't either either of the sides, either list. Neither. Neither. So Crucible, I have this thing, and I, I want to say that you and I have had this conversation about Crucible before, because I actually think Crucible was reprinted. No, no, no it wasn't. Okay. Uh, it was in 10th edition. Yeah, but we haven't done 10th yet. No, we we probably yet. did this on a different list, like an Artifacts, Honorable Mentions. I think it was in the Honorable Mentions for Artifacts. What I said last time, and what I'll say again is... Anytime I see a card that has a uniquely powerful effect, something that is the only thing that does this, I always pay attention. And because we have cards in the format that are powerful, lands that are recyclable that are powerful, um, I do think that Crucible is worth noting. Because in the sense that a deck like Aggro Loam is able to work, uh, it's because a card like Life from the Loam is the only Life from the Loam. You know what I mean? So if you're going to build a deck that is heavy in, like, ghost quartering out all of your lands until you run out of basics and you can get in some sort of a lock, much like Lantern of Insight is the only card that's going to let you do that, Crucible is the only card that's going to let you recycle lands. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Crucible was in my bubble of things to include in my cool cards we can talk about, uh, but I cut it for a different card. It's three colorless for an artifact that states you may play land cards from your graveyard as though they were in your hand. Yeah, this is the second second, um, you make the card. So yeah. once in a while, Wizards has a contest with the community, and they vote on creating a card, and this was the second one. The first was 
Forgotten Agent, and then the third one was a blue-white instant spell that was yeah, it's kind called, of wonky. It's it like called, blinks and puts counters on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really sweet. It's from Cold Snap, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, one white, one blue, exile target creature, return it to the battlefield under its own control, so at some point, like that turn, Earth being the next upkeep. And when you do, I think it's like draw cards equal to its power, discard cards equal to its top, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that. And then the black one. Vanish into memory, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. All right, but moving on. We're not talking about that. Uh, Yeah, I like, I like, this is one of my favorite EDH cards. This card, I've played it in Legacy tournaments because. You love Crucible. I I love Crucible. I believe it's not on your list. uh, Maybe. I like, liked it too much, so I took it off. I was being anti-biased against myself. All right. uh, My number eight. Yeah. Oblivion Stone. We talked about it. Yes. Board wipe, three mana. Yeah, we already had our. Cool. All right, so I'm going to do my seven really quick so okay. that we can just finish this awkward we did it already. My seven is Vidalcan Shackles. <laughs> okay. Oh, what's your seven? <laughs> my number seven is Isochron Scepter. Oh, nice. Did you put this on your list? No, nowhere on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Isochron Scepter is a card that I have a, a, a extreme love affair with. Uh, you know this if you've listened to this before because I've talked about this on and off, and it never gets anywhere, and it never makes anyone's decks. Well, the problem is, is uh, Abrepticay yep. is real good against it. And so is Colgan's Command. And so is Colgan's Command now. Yeah. So, uh, so you're just... Jund is terrible for you. Yeah. Isochron Scepter is too colorless for an artifact that when it enters the battlefield, it has an ability called Imprint, which is you exile a card from your hand as it enters the battlefield. And this card states, too colorless, tap, you may cast a copy of the exiled card without paying its mana cost. That card has to be an instant spell converted mana cost two or less. So the classic with this card has been to put Lightning Helix on it or to put... Mana leak on it. I feel or... like the classic is silence. Yeah, si- well, I mean, silence is the combo version, right? But like in in the old decks that would play this, like there was a Delver deck, a blue white red Delver deck at one point that played this card as a two of, and it was you know you'd put a Helix on this, like right. that's kind of what you're doing with it. Um, I it's another one of those situations where I'm like, man, there's so many sweet two mana instants that I was I was for a second there, I was thinking what would happen if you put a command on this? What would happen if you put like a Tarkos command on this, or if you put like Dromacus command the on choices this? Choices every time. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, I guess my issues with it a it's weak to the things we mentioned. Uh, there's like a lot of main deck artifact permanent removal. Hmm. But the real reason is so much of this format is instant speed. And like the real powerful things you do with it, like the instant speed factors hurt you. So like abrupt decay, for instance, just is going to wreck this card. You can't silence your opponent to stop it from happening. Right. Like because like that's the combo and that combo exists in the format. You can play silence on this card if you want, but like silence isn't as good as it normally would be because your opponent's, can interact so much on instant speed ver- levels. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's you're you're pretty dead on with that. I, I guess I'm just sort of thinking like, imagine, you know, if you're if you're if you're like pulling like an Atarka's command every turn, it's like you're getting you're getting three damage to your opponent and stopping them from getting life, or you're getting like, I see that this is like when I started looking at it. It's like the abilities, the repeatable abilities of getting a land out of your hand. You're just going to run out of lands at a certain point. Um, I want I sort of am curious if when they were designing. If they did think about what are the most, what are the, like these cards are so efficient at two mana, what are the most broken things people can do? And I'm sure somebody was like, oh, what if you put this on the scepter? What would happen? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because it does, it does seem like, like if you look at Drumbuck's command, you're like, okay, target player sacks an enchantment. No, creature you control fights another creature, 1 1 counter, prevent all damage. Yeah, not actually that sweet. Like, right. uh, I would say Tarkus command is probably more interesting just because the three damage the every three turn damage is, is like, as a, as a base level is not the worst. Yeah. Um, the other issue with this card is you two for one yourself naturally if they get rid of it. Yeah. So it's really a four drop because you want to be able to at least use it once so that yep. the card you put in it isn't loose. And then, it, you know, that's four mana. It's definitely a card that is interesting. Yeah. I just see a lot of problems with it. 
The card I, I think I would think of with this that, that I've always imagined is more of a mono blue shell that plays this with boomerang. That's always what I've imagined is that just of because course, of course you've imagined. That. Well, just because just because like there's 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 something that people I think don't. That's just that's like the strategy that like people like don't like to acknowledge very often is the fact that like just bouncing someone's shock land on turn two if you're on the play is really good. Like it's. If you have something to back that up with, it's strong. So if you do do some sort of mid-range lockout deck and you get like a boomerang on a scepter, they can never ever play a land again. Like if you just can figure out a way to, and then you're building up your mana. Like I don't know. I think you could just get way ahead. Fair enough. Uh, what if right. you could voltaic key it and untap into it twice in a turn? Uh, <laughs> that's six mana. <laughs> this is so good. Five, five mana Kessler. Let's be real. True. Fair enough. All right. Uh, my number six is Sylvan Scrying. Yeah. So this is, uh, yeah. I mean, this is now a standard card. One green, one color. Search for any land. Powerful. Uh, it's very powerful. It's it's one of the staples of the Tron decks, yeah. which was another deck that I was afraid of having too many cards on my list from. I think this is my last one. <laughs> um, but uh, really good. And it's kind of a card that probably will consistently just get better over time. I think the fact that, you know, every time Wizards prints a land with an effect... Uh, this card jumps up a little bit in value. Right. It's similar to how kind of Trinket Mage works or some other cards. And so I definitely uh, think right now it's at this power level and it could be better. And right now it sees, you know, heavy tournament play. It's a main deck for of in Tron and will always be as long as green, red Tron exists. Yeah, I mean, Sylvan Scrying is another one of those cards where you're just like, how many cards exist that you can get any land? I mean, Expedition Map is, an, is the other one and it's also played in the same deck. Yeah, and that costs three mana. Yeah. I mean, in, in two... Arguably differently, but yeah. still completely. Yeah, scrying is really, really good. Effect. Yeah, you wonder. Do you think it's ever possible they're going to unban dark depths? No, no, I don't think so. It would be just too powerful. They'd have to. Yeah. They, what if they unbanned dark depths and banned hexmage? At that the same time? doesn't make sense because they like hexmage existing. Hexmage offers like a cool way of getting rid of planeswalkers, and they're going to print other cards that do that. Because you could, you already, you still have what's it called? And the, Thes- Thespian stage still exists in the format, which is the other. Yeah, you'd have to. Ban and that both. one's arguably better. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see them. There's no reason to. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your number uh, five or six? Have you done six yet? Uh, my number six is engineered explosives. Oh, nice. I my, know this is on your list. It's definitely on my list. It's actually my number five. So let's do them at the same time. Okay. Excellent. So yeah, engineered explosives. This is a card you and I have both used. At length, like really, really, really used a lot. I mean, this card has gone into multiple brews of mine. This card is searchable with one of your favorite cards of all time, Mario West, and Trinket Mage, and Trinket Mage. Um, this card, it's it's X for it has the ability Sunburst. So this is really similar to the newer mechanic Converge. So Sunburst is for every amount of mana you pay for a permanent, it comes into play with that many counters. For no, no, for every color. For every color. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So for just, every color just, like, just like converge, where right. if you're if you're playing that draw equal to the number of colors you spent for three mana thing, it, this would be you would get three counters right. on this for so, spending three so colors. So for if you spend a blue and a white, this comes in with two counters on it, and then for two mana, you may sacrifice it to destroy all permanents with converted mana cost equal to how many counters are on it. Yeah. So it's it's really versatile in the sense that if you have three colors, you can go anywhere from one to three in the ability to blow or up zero. permanents blow up or zero. Yeah. Too. Yeah. True. Um, this card is probably I did my first good modern finish. Like I, I think I top thirteen with this uh, blue white control using Teleria West to find engineered explosives or to find Academy Ruins so you could loop it. Right, exactly. And well, the the Academy loop with engineered explosives was the main point of the deck, and it was really good. And if any of you guys have listened to the podcast where we talk about the Hunted Handsome deck as well, the original <laughs> version, not the update, not the one that we. 
not the list that we've shared a handful of times, but the original list before that legend rule change, this was one of the main cards in the deck. Because um, for two mana, I can get rid of those tokens. For zero mana. Oh, for two mana, you can yeah, get rid yeah. of the tokens. Yeah, yeah, because you'd play it for zero and then... No, I mean, this card's really versatile. It... it more recently, sees mostly play as a cyborg card, but it, it, like, it gets rid of, if there's ever a token strategy, obviously, but it also is really good against Noggle decks, yeah. or even like the Lantern Control decks it's pretty good against. Yeah. Like, it does a lot of really powerful things, and like it'll always just be one of the better sideboard cards. Yeah, it just blows stuff up. Yep. Uh, okay, that was your number six. That was my that was that your was number my five. five. That was your six. What's your five? My five is Eternal Witness. Um, so, Eternal Witness is a classic, classic, classically designed magic card. It's yeah. like... It's it's like OG Snapcaster Mage and kind of yeah. Kind of it. It's been the the closest design to it that has happened since is the new card Den Protector. Um, uh, no, there is a six drop from Battle for Zendikar that is E Witness as a Death End Enter the Battlefield trigger. So when it enters play for six mana green, you E Witness, and when it dies, you also E Witness. But it costs six. You would never ever ever well, Den Protector cost five to use it and flip it. Yeah, you yeah. can also play it for three, and then later in the game for two. It's much closer. It's an actually <laughs> tournament playable card. Uh, yeah, sure. The six mana card, like, yeah, maybe in standard, I guess, but never in modern. You would never ever play right, that card. All right, fine. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Ewood is awesome. Ewood is my number three. Okay, it's a two one creature. Is an elf? Two one creature yeah, elf, probably. I think so. Right. Uh, anyway, I'll keep talking. Uh, that uh, when it enters the battlefield, return. Nope, it's a human shaman. Human shaman. Okay, and it costs three, and it states that when it enters the battlefield, return target creature card or target card from your graveyard to your hand. So the most common use of this card was in pod decks. Um, it has been used. Uh, there was there was the uh, cryptic command. Yeah, I was uh, say eternal command. Yeah, eternal command decks that used it. It also will randomly see play as just some like value creature in some decks. For those of you that are curious, what eternal command is, and I'll explain it because it's one of the coolest decks ever built, and it's similar to some of the shenanigans that I've tried to build before. Right. Uh, it's basically a deck where you utilize the interaction between eternal witness, uh, cryptic command, ether vial, and those three cards. Right. So the deal would be that you would basically vial in witness returning Cryptic Command from your graveyard to your hand, then replay Cryptic Command, bouncing Witness to your hand and drawing a card or doing whatever. And because you're getting two mo- modes off Cryptic and you can constantly replay Witness over and over again and replay Cryptic Command over and over again. The- you lock your opponent out and for you all just, sense of purposes. You just grind them and play as many Cryptic Commands in a game as you possibly can. Right. And it's really awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Um... I think this is probably a one of in some of the elves lists with with cord, so you can cord for it if you need to. Yeah, anytime cord sees play, E Witness is often a card that will like a one of be thought of. Yeah. Um. So my number four is the second half of my uh package from Affinity. It's Cranial Plating and Arcbound Ravager. So these are so mine is mine is Ravager Plating Citadel, and that's higher on my list. But I have the same thing. Sure, so yeah, yeah. I mean, like what what it comes down to it is these cards are the defining cards of the Affinity deck. Are re- specifically the reason I kind of plated these together, plated put together these two cards yeah. versus the lands. Yeah, is they're really similar in what they do for the deck. It's not like the deck is like oh, I'm all about sacrificing artifacts. It's all about just piercing with one card and doing as much damage based off of how many artifacts you have in play. Yeah, and inherently these two cards do very similar things. Right, and they also just you know they put that power onto another creature normally with evasion. They're very similar cards, so I kind of put them together. They're very good. Two of the most powerful cards in the format, arguably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I will talk about them a little more when I get to my number two, sure. so we don't just skip. What over. is your number four? My number four is Ethervile. Yep, that um, would be nine number two. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. So Ethervile, I guess we'll talk about Ethervile now, okay. and then when we get to, t- we can touch on Ravagers a little sure. bit more. But uh, Vile is 
I think most notable in modern for two things. Number one, it's notable because it's in the Merfolk deck. But number two, it's notable because when the format was launched, I think a lot of people looked at Vile and said, why is this card not banned? They said it's one of the most powerful cards ever printed. It's one of the most powerful cards in the block, no question. I mean, it's extremely... Like, if you look at Legacy, and, and you use Legacy as the baseline, which of the cards in Modern are going to be the biggest problem? Um, Vile is a card that in Legacy had been very, very powerful for a right. long time. Um, one of those cards that was sort of looked at with this immense, like, oh, wow, this Between is such a Between Goblins, effect. Elves, Death and Taxes, Merfolk, there's a bunch of cards in that format that use Aether Vile to great effect. And... It didn't see play didn't for see years. Play for years. Yeah. Years. It's only really become prominent now in Merfolk decks. The last year and a half. And I know, I mean, we talked a lot about uh, Superior Burn and Coco on here. And there was, over this last summer, there was other people that were doing similar things. I saw some lists that popped up online. It's a clever card. There's some cool stuff you can do with it that's outside the norm. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's prominence in Merfolk is why I put it so high. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked about before how Merfolk is one of the most, like, of the decks in the format has done consistently the best. Yeah. Uh, I also think, you know, you had it for your Hunter Handsome deck, but it, it does see plans the a lot of those green-white hate bear decks. It's one uh, one colors, by the way, for an artifact that during your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on Ether Vial. Then it has an ability that says, tap, you may put a creature card from your hand into play with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Ether Vial. So it's basically you're just cheating on mana, and if you play it on turn one, by turn four, you can be flashing in three drops, uncounterable, but at the end of your opponent's turn, it allows you to do stuff like we were doing with Mirror Superior, where a 5-6 that you can't normally cast, you can get down on turn three, it allows you to right. stuff like Apocrysite coming in with, with counters on it, out, like not from your hand, Scab Ruinators, a 5-6 flyer with a condition, anything with a condition to cast that has a cheap mana cost can be cheated in with it. And we also mentioned just previously the E-Witness with Cryptic Command, Snapcaster Mage combo deck from before that let you loop things because you could bounce E-Witness yeah. and play it for four mana every turn. There, it, it's, it's very powerful. It's arguably going to be any type of tribal creature-based deck will always take advantage of this. I know I've seen a lot of ally decks who have tried taking advantage of this recently with the new allies being printed. I've seen a lot of... Um, attempts at goblins using Aether Vial in the past. It's just a very powerful card. One of the reasons it doesn't see as much play as it does in Legacy is the lack of Force of Will. So because yeah. this makes things uncounterable, it's more powerful generally. But this format has is countered magic in general is much looser it, than Legacy is. So the need to have a thing that lets creature decks get under counter magic is less important. The coolest use that I have ever found of this card was when we were designing our Coco deck. And we switched it into... Because originally, I want to say the original version we worked on was a Bant version. Yeah, correct. What we ended up going with was uh, green, white, black. And when we added black, we discovered that Pack Rat can be flashed in at end of turn on turn three. And then you can pay three mana after he's been flashed in to discard right. a card. And all of a sudden, you untap with two Pack Rats and the ability to make a third during combat. Which, historically, Pack Rat in standard was pretty good anyway. The ability to like flash it in like that, uncounterable... With the mana to protect it if they try to kill it is a pretty cool use of the card. I think, I mean, obviously, once again, this is another card that gets a little bit hurt by calling in some mana and Abrupt Decay. Yeah. Which, like, this whole list has that problem, at least the artifact ones. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I do think there's a black-white, like, getting past the flashing in two-drop five-sixes, but just, like, straight-up yeah. black-white death and taxes deck yeah. that takes advantage of Aether Vial and its use with Pack Rat, or there's also the, like, Thoughtseize attached to a creature for one black, one white. That's the other thing I was going to say. Is that, that's probably the other coolest thing that we found when we were building was the ability to play Fauna Shaman 
with Ethervile and that card, Tidehall of Skeller, you just mentioned. Right. So that during their draw step, you could essentially piece together your own Vendillion click, where you would discard a creature card from your hand to, to search for Tide Hollow Scholar and then flash in Tide Hollow right. Scholar during their draw step to take whatever. So against like an amulet deck that's going to try to Summoner's Pact you, if they draw Summoner's Pact, um, they how does it, because if they cast it in response during their draw step, you can still take it. Right. Um, you can take the creature, or you, you can take, take the, the creature spell. they grab. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I think I think there is a deck from Siberian Protococo if you get rid of the burning. Superior part, right? <laughs> there's, I mean, there's something. There's, and, there's definitely something cool about those three interactions. The, the fact that, and you can play Tarmogoyfs, and like, there's like a lot yeah. of cool green things you can do with the black white. I think there's a junk Aethervile deck out there. I'd be interested to see what we could possibly accomplish in doing it. I mean, basically, uh, the Coco deck would have been really good this summer had Colgon's Command not been printed, and we don't really, we won't really ever know. Um, correct. Aethervile gets hurt by it, but then the fact that your your best play in the deck essentially on a power on a power scale was also an artifact was a bummer. So. Right. Um, blah, number three. Did you say your number three? Uh, yes. So we've actually talked about my three and my two. So my three is E Witness. So we we have the same number one. We'll wait a second to get to yeah. it. If anybody listens to this podcast, knows exactly what it is. But, right. Um, we will go with my number three then. Okay. Which is Oriok Champion. <laughs> okay. You laugh. How did it make it to three? Because it's so <laughs> good. I mean, I'm not saying it's not good. I also, it's also weirdly expensive how for did no it, reason. How did it not make your top ten? Because it's like... For I've, those of you I've seen know. one person play it, Eric. and it's Eric, and his weird black-white token deck that's playing 12 discard spells. <laughs> you, like, clearly have not played with this card enough to know... I know it's powerful, but, like... So is like blasting station if you put it in the right deck. No, 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 no. Think about think about where this card fits into. The, wow, it's twenty six dollars. Yeah, it's like weirdly super expensive. Okay, white, white, human cleric, one, one, protection from black, protection from red. Whenever another creature comes into play, you gain one life. Okay, number one, what's the best deck in the format historically? Say it, say it. Twin. What happens when twin tries to play this card? Absolutely nothing. They can't beat it. Because unless they have a Counterspell or a Pongify or a Dismember... No, it can't even lose the Dismember. It's pro-black and pro-red. They can't bolt it. They can't dismember it. They, they, even... can, they can attack you with their 2-1 flyers. Yeah, but in theory, whatever deck they you're playing can... They can Cryptic Command bounce it. They can, they just... can... Yeah, okay. Yeah, they can Cryptic bounce it they or they can counter it. snare it. It's a two-drop. Like, you think about <laughs> what you're getting out of this card on two okay, okay, against the okay. best deck in the format. What on is... top of which... How's it, how's it do against... Any mono red? How's it do against mono red? Tarmogoyf? One of the other most prominent decks <laughs> format? Oh, it's protection from red. And you're just playing it in your main deck. Uh, okay, let's look at finishes. How many decks have finished in the history of the modern format with this in the main People deck? People clearly, just like Spellskite, have not started with this <laughs> card and built around it. This, this is, is this the Spellskite of the top 10 Mirrodin card podcast episode? Look, when I looked at this list, I was like, okay, uh, yeah, Scepter's good, Shackles is good, How Crucible's is it your number unique, three? Oblivion Stone's <laughs> unique, guys, like Engineered Explosives. All the cards that I would that I, like... Every single one of the cards that's not this that was behind it on my list, I'm like, I would way, 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 way less likely want to have that card in my general deck against a general matchup than this card. Because this card, at least, you can you can do any number of things with it. You can suit it up. You can block with it. It's going to survive. It's an anti-combo card. It's not like Spellskite where they'll just like, okay, we'll just kill your Spellskite and then go off. They can't kill it unless they cryptic it. Like. <laughs> Yeah, they have to have path. Yeah. The white versions of Splinter Twin. Um, <laughs> All two of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, don't sleep on Aria Champion, guys. It, it, in the in the white-black token decks, as well as Soul Sisters, this is a four of. And this is a, I mean, this is the this is the most important four of in Soul Sisters. 
this is the card. This is like the reason that deck has actual staying power when it pops up in a top eight is because it plays an incredible two drop that is like the middle of the format. So just don't okay. sleep on our act champion here, You're guys. Right here, guys. Our act champion. Really good card. Spellskate 2.0. <laughs> All right. Here's a question. Here's here's here this question of the week. All right. Amongst our fan base, what is the better card in modern? Ariok Champion <laughs> or Spellskite? That's Spellskite. a real question. I'll say it right now. Spellskite. It's a tough one. <laughs> I still not. I think Spellskite's better too. But <laughs> but that doesn't our our opinion is less is I I want to know what you guys think. I want to know who thinks Ariok Champion is better and who thinks Spellskite is better. We're going to use that new Twitter poll thing you can do now where you put up like a vote. Right. I'm going to do it right now actually. You're going to do it while next we're week while we're talking. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to lead this. All right. uh, so why don't you talk bit. about your number 2 since I already talked about my number 2 which while is you, Aether Vial while you put up the poll. And I'm going to put up the poll. Okay. So um yeah, your number 2 is Aether Vial. My number 2 is the is the affinity package. So I wrote Ra- Arcbound Ravager, Cranial Plating, Darksteel Citadel. Um so the deal is Arcbound Ravager We've sort of talked about which is the more powerful card, Cranial Plating or Arcbone Ravage. Darksteel Citadel is just a colorless, indestructible artifact land. That's what it is. It produces a colorless mana. Uh, I talked about it heavily in our top ten artifacts. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best artifacts in the format. Um, it's it's one of the most over, uh, overlooked parts of it is the fact that it's indestructible, so you can suit it up with the scissors, the uh, one blue, one colorless, and soul artifact, make it a 5-5 five, five indestructible on turn two, or on turn three. Um, that's really powerful. I mean, you can attack with it on turn three. Cranial plating is unique and interesting, as we talked about on our top 10 commons list, because it exists as a card that you could throw into more decks than just an affinity deck. Now, it's primarily played in just an affinity deck, but you could play it in something that's a bit more artifact-heavy, as we talked about, maybe a hyper-aggressive, like an infect, artifact-based infect deck or something like that. Which which are the two? Uh, Cranial plating. Oh, see, I feel like Arcbound Ravager has a higher chance than Cranial plating in seeing play in another deck, because Cranial plating is still only going to be good in a deck that's like I need a lot of artifacts and play an a, a evasive creature to attach it to. Well, my point was the the reason that I could justify putting this package at number 2 was because each of these things I could imagine a build around any of these three cards that was not just an affinity deck. Well, cuz so, I, I think Arcbound Ravager blatantly can encourage different styles. Like it's a sack outlet yeah. and like you can be a little bit more tempo-y with it where like cranial planning is I need an evasive creature it needs to get a pump better than plus two plus two because otherwise I should be playing Bone Splinter, and, and most likely it should be evasive. Do you know what the sweetest thing ever is going to be? It's going to be when they decide to print Baleful Strix in Modern, oh, and yeah, I get to play great, and I get to play a deck that plays like Ravager, Baleful Strix, and Ojatai's Command, Tezzeret, and Tezzeret, yeah. and I can like end of turn after like blocking with my after like oh, blocking yeah. with okay. my Strix that I've already drawn a card off of and killing your thing or like sack it to my Ravager and then like end of turn Ojutai's command it back into play and draw a card and then get another card. Oh my god! I I, I I would love to see Bell for Strix in. I think it probably will eventually. It's, uh, I think if, if we return to Scars of Mirrodin, it, yeah. that's the highest chance of us seeing like it. Four printed. years from now. I don't know. We returned to Anistrad in like two years. So what was the, like... Yeah, what was that? What was like the? <laughs> I can't remember what the gift has that made me laugh. But um, anyway, that is why I think that those cards are good. Ravager, like as a sack outlet in general, is pretty strong just because it's yeah. got modular. Well, I mean, there's no argument from here that these three cards are super strong. My only point was that if I were to pick one of these, if I was going to rank these three cards in yeah. playability in decks that aren't affinity, I would go Darkseal Citadel. 
uh, followed by Ravager, followed by Plating. I think Plating is the f- that it is for me the poster child for Affinity because it is the one card that I don't see seeing playing out of the other deck. So. No surprise here, guys. The number one card on both of our lists is Serum Visions. Woo! Um, Serum Visions! We talked about this last yeah. week. So we're going to spend two. about two Draw minutes on card. it. And then I'm going to try to come one up with some blue mana. clever Not way. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yeah, one blue, sorcery, draw a card, scry two. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it at length. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good card. It's not that good of a card in a vacuum. Alex likes to liken it to Batman. It's not the hero we want. It's the hero we deserve. It is. Um, okay. Batman. It's Batman. I can do it. Let me do it better. One mana, blue... <laughs> cantrips that aren't ancestral recall uh you have brainstorm really good you have preordain really good you have ponder really good you have sleight of hand yeah, preordain's okay you it's have good serum vintage. visions are those the five is there a six there five? are more there's like weird old ones like isn't there like an instant speed peak uh there's peak there's opt there's thought scour i mean these are all but those none of those fix none of those are are sifters all sure. of those i think well, opt, okay like let's let's be honest We've we mentioned the major important ones, yeah, all really good. Every single one, but preordain and seer visions are restricted in vintage. Uh, people just realized recently, due to the fact that Delve spells are good, that Ponder are really good. Okay, Opt is a card. Opt is a, Opt is like Opt could be legal in modern, right? Yeah, what? one one blue instant it's, from it's, invasion. It's look, scry one draw a card, right? Look at For the top card of your library. You might put that card on the bottom of your library. Draw a card. Is it's, it speed? What? Instant speed? Yeah. Okay. I, I think it need to be sorcery speed, probably. I can see opt in the format, though. That would probably be a pretty good print. I think instant is... Well, first off, they'd reprint it with a new name and just name it Scry, because Scry is now evergreen. They would just call a card Scry. You no, know, it would be, like, opt two. Could they just call a card Scry? Scry. I think there's just... There's got to be a card named Scry. No, they can just call the card Scry and put no, it look in a corset. There's got to be a card. Look in... There's definitely not a card called Scry. I'm looking it up, and the first thing that comes is going to be Scrying Sheets, which is the land from Cold Snap. No. Actually, that card, that land's pretty cool. I'm, ex- I'm excited to do Cold Snap. That's, that's so weird. <laughs> All right, so. Oh, Scrying Sheets, and there's no card called Scry. Okay, fine. Yeah, we can just call it Scry. One blue mana, Scry one, draw yeah. a card. I think that's good. Wizards, employees that listen to this podcast, stop before we did that because you're not allowed to listen to that stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay, um, so now that we've done that, uh, we are going to quickly go through our top five um, honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. This, well, not, like, this, not really honorable mentions. These are more creative cards that we wish saw more play. So this is going to be a speed round because we both have five, and I think we're already at like 35. We got, we got like five. Ten minutes. We're good. Um, we can talk about it. So, so what's your number five? Well, this, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is, this is going to be the elevator pitch version. So what's going to happen is you're going to state your card, explain what it does, and then you're going to give me 12 to 15 seconds of why it's good. Okay. And I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to go back and forth. Right. And once your time's up, I'm going to be like, ah. Okay. But, and, and people out there on Twitter, uh, you should score us 1 to 10 on each card. Oh, yeah. And add it really together good. and give us a score. Okay. And whoever yeah. wins, will between me and Ben, will get the other person has to buy them dinner. This is going to be round, yeah. So this will be, it'll be like round by round. And uh, so, do you, how many do you have? You have five or six? I have five. Okay, I'm going to totally. I had six. I'm going to delete one you now. Delete just... one of them. Okay. Did I name one in my thing so you can just get rid of there? Uh, what? Did I name one of them in my? No, these okay. are all these are all different. They're just weird cards. Cool. That you I didn't wish... name any of mine either, so we're good. Okay, so right, um... so we're going to name them. We're going to give our elevator pitch. You're going to rate our elevator pitch between one and five. And these are not ranked. No, no. You guys are just going to say like at the end of the day who won each round and like. Well, the winner will total it out. Yeah. Gets dinner from the other person. Yeah. So you're going to win me dinner. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Round yeah, one. <laughs> Round one. All right. Fight. 
my first one is Artificer's Intuition. God bless it. It's on my list, too. <laughs> uh, uh, I called it first. Change it. <laughs> so the way this card works, it's a blue colorless enchantment. Uh, it's basically survival of the fittest for artifacts. The deck I would have is super toolboxy, and I would get all of the sweet artifacts I need when I need them and use them to damage my opponent to win. Lots of, let's say, engineered explosives coming about. Ah, time off, Alex. All right. Good explanation. Looks like I'm going to have to save my pitch on Artificer Intuition for later in the round because I also have it. All right. Um, okay. I guess pitches are important. Yeah. My number one, I need to pull up the text so I'm not just rambling, is going to be... How, how long do you have? A minute? Uh, no, we each get like 12 to 15 seconds. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> you just bet me without any... Okay. Uh, right. My number one is going to be Reshape. It is a sorcery for blue, blue, X. that states, as an additional cost to play Reshape, sacrifice an artifact, search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less, put it into play, then shuffle your library. This card is unique because it allows you to search number one for Lotus Bloom, a suspend, a suspend Black Lotus directly out of your deck and put it directly into play. Uh, i give you 20 seconds. To explain the card and pitch it? Okay, you got to pitch to it. All right, yeah, you got to Give me an extra five. eight seconds. All right, go. Uh, you can pull lots of things that cost zero, things that cost one. It allows any kind of a value artifact, like the ones from Mirrodin, where you can draw a card or get a land from your deck when it comes into play and dies. Uh, it's a value train card, and it pulls an artifact directly out of your deck. There's lots and lots and lots of combo space, plus it gets a Black Lotus out of all your right, deck right. for free. I, I gave you 30 seconds in total there. I want 30 seconds. All right, ready? Reshape versus Artificer's Intuition, round one. Round two. Round two. Fight. Uh, Trinkamage. So Trinkamage is two, two colors and a blue. You uh, get a 2-2 two, two creature that lets you search for an artifact with converted man cast one mana or less and put it in your hand. So this is one of the best cards ever printed. That might not be true, but it's really awesome. Uh, I would do probably very similar things that I did with Artificer's Intuition, uh, but more of a control build where it gets it as more of a sideboard card. Artificer's Intuition needs much more of a deck built behind it. This could be much more of just a pure toolbox card. Ah. Whoa, time that was up. no way 30 seconds. That I was give you so good. much more time. You, <laughs> you get to explain the card, and then you get your time to pitch it. Okay, um, my number two is a card called Summoner's Egg. It is four colorless for a 0-4 imprint, the same ability as Isochron Scepter, that when it comes into play, you exile a card from your hand face down. It states when Summoner's Egg is put into a graveyard from play, turn the imprinted face-down card face up. If that card is a creature card, put it into play under your control. This is a 0-4 creature for four colorless mana that allows you to, if you can see visions or set the top of your deck in some way with an Embercool or a great creature, play this, then with a sack outlet, let the thing go, and flip over an Embercool or a Gristlebrand or a ridiculous card that you got for four mana, and if you uh, that's what this card does. <laughs> All right. So that round Who was won round Summoner's four? Egg versus Trinket Mage. Yep. Uh, round three. three. All right. You go first this time. Uh, okay. My number three is going to be a card that is called... I have to get the... This is a card called Death Cloud. Death Cloud is black, 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 X. Each player loses X life, then discards X cards from his or her hand, then sacrifices X creatures, then sacrifices X lands. What do I need to say about Death Cloud that has not already been said? This card is extremely unique. It's a Pox-style card that allows you to nuke the board in a totally unique way. Reed Duke even used this at a major modern tournament recently in a deck. Um, how many cards allow you to make creatures and lands and discard cards and lose life for X? I mean, you can nuke a board for X2 practically. This thing's incredible. should see tons more uh. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, well, fun fact before, about that card. Uh, if you looked at the original page for Modern, for like two years, there was a list of what the top decks played in the format wars, and Death Cloud was just on it because no one updated it for like ever. So apparently Death Cloud original format format staple. Stop stalling. All right. <laughs> My third is Steel Shaper Gift. This is a one white 
Sorcery that lets you tutor your deck for an equipment to put it in your hand. Uh, this is a card that would be awesome to see more play. It's kind of like the closest thing we have to Stoneforge Mystic in the format. I do think you'd probably look for Batterskull. That's probably the best card you can get. Also, I'm a big fan of getting, as I mentioned before, Feast for Famine. This lets you do the kind of the lockout with uh, blue spells, making it so your opponents can't play spells because you can play something, attack with it, do damage, and then untap your lands, holding blue mana up, and just win the game. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got him into the buzzer. I was done. Yeah. I didn't need your buzzer. Steel Shaper's gift versus uh, Death Cloud was that round. Yep. Okay. I, think I won that round. Round four. That's way more of a fan favorite. <laughs> Fight. I'm going to go first. Artificer's Intuition. This is the round I'm using it. It's one blue and one colorless for an enchantment. One blue. Discard an artifact card from your hand. Search your library for an artifact card with a converted mana cost one or less. Reveal that card and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. As Alex said, a fantastic toolbox card. You have four <laughs> copies of Darksteel Citadel in your deck to start you off with. As well as that, you have cards like Dispeller's Capsule and Executioner's Capsule that are toolbox removal spells. And on top of that, if you want to go with some crazy strategy where you're going to try to like get copies of Lotus Bloom from your deck, play them and then get uh, the the uh, mycosynth lattice into, into play to make everything an artifact and then like shattering spree your opponent's lands this card is a total linchpin card in the middle that could set up a crazy deck like that love this card uh, vote for me for president <laughs> <laughs> all right my number two it's a six mana artifact comes into play you can sacrifice it for four mana and completely control your opponent's next turn that is mind slaver so the coolest thing you can do with this is loop it uh with Academy Ruins. So the way that this is actually like a deck, it's called Blue Tron. It's awesome. You basically lock your opponent out by doing all of the stuff for them, and mostly you just don't do anything while you beat them down with Warm Call Engines. Sounds like you need twelve mana to pull that one off. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Tron. <laughs> all right, Alex. Like we both have one card left. Oh my god, I saved a terrible card for last. <laughs> no, mine's pretty. Good. <laughs> I saved a terrible all card. Right, all right. Uh, all right. I'm gonna go first with this one. Uh, where is it listed? I want to be able to read it exactly. Some of you may have never heard of this card. It is a card for one black and one colorless. It is an instant called Plunge into Darkness. Choose one. Sacrifice any number of creatures. Then you gain three life for each or, each creature. Sacrifice this way. Or pay X life. Then look at the top X cards of your library and put one of them into your hand and remove the rest from the game and twine one. So... What it means is for black, black, one, you can pay any number of life to look at the top X cards of your library and get one of them into your hand, and at the same time, sacrifice any number of lingering souls tokens or whatever to gain three life, which means you could get as deep as like 15 to 30 cards to get your combo piece at instant speed at the end of your opponent's turn in a 60-card deck that is incredibly uh. powerful. <laughs> I love this card. All right, my number one, and this is in no real order. I think if I were to really pick my number one, let's be honest, it's uh, Trinkamage. Um, but my number one is Spoils of the Vault. <laughs> That's one black for an instant. Name a card. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal the named card, and then put that card into your hand. Remove all other cards revealed this way from the game, and you lose one life for each card removed this way. So this is a card uh, often paired with um, the thing that makes it so you don't lose for one white mana, but basically it's a combo piece. If you have a card you desperately need, it's one of the most cheaply costed tutors in the entire format. It appears that I really like tutors based off of the fact that I think only one card on my list of five cards is a tutor. But it's sweet. Storm off. Win the game. <laughs> Funny that our two last two cards are very, very similar cards in the way that we they're both on the list for the same reason. Uh, yeah. I just thought of one and I thought of the other. Um, I just sort of think about that's a combo, straight combo card, and this is a card selection card where I feel like you just play Lingering Souls and then like end of turn you gain nine life. And you could just all of a sudden pay like sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. pay like seventeen and just like I'll just go seventeen deep to get the card I want. No, my card's dumb. I mean, like, <laughs> we did not rate these and like like I hope I lose that last round, but like yeah, I said trinket base first. 
Remember, vote on Twitter. Who won this round? Alex or Ben? Whoever wins gets a free dinner. So as a, so quick, vote reminder, for Alex, as a quick reminder, ben. the matchups were, number one, Artificer's Intuition versus, what was my number one? You're got to remember your number one. Reshape. Uh, reshape. Alex, Artificer's Intuition, me, Reshape. Round number two was Summoner's Egg on my end Trinket versus Mage. Trinket Mage on Alex's end. Round number three was Death Cloud, I think. Yep, versus Steel Shaper's Gift. Round which is number the tutor for artifacts. Four was. Tutor for artifacts. Was Artificer's Intuition on my part. Sure. Versus. Mindslaver. Mindslaver, and round number five was Plunge into Darkness versus Spoils of the Vault. Yep. Vote on it on Twitter. Next week we'll reveal the results. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do this slightly different. You have to do this on Facebook. Vote oh. on Facebook. I'll put a little poll up on Facebook with all the rounds. I think I can do that. If I can't, then I won't do that. But go to Facebook, vote there. We'll make a post about it. Yeah. Tell us what you think. And this, and it'll there'll be a video version of this. will go up on our Facebook on Friday with a notation of where this debate takes place. If you yep. want to watch it, that works too. Um, as well, and uh, cool, and that'll be the see thing. if this contest works. If no one interacts, <laughs> we'll never get a free dinner again. Womp womp. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. That's it for today. Uh, I do want to remind you all to follow us on Twitter, uh, the MM Cast. Follow us on Facebook, the MM Cast, and. Uh, Check us out on iTunes, which is not the MMCast. We're actually at Top Decking TV, uh, so just Google Top Decking TV on YouTube. You'll find us, or just Google Masters of Modern Podcast. Uh, I am personally on Twitter at Kess Wiley. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Bateman Media. You guys also can check out my action movie talk show called Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. We go live every Wednesday at 1230. Um, me and my best buddy Andrew just break down the coolest ways to look at the coolest action movies ever. Yeah, so check sweet. that out. Uh, also, uh, our friend uh, Brendan Weinhold is kickstarting his new web series. It's you know very similar to what Top Decking used to be, but it's a comedy uh, about a werewolf. It's called Gentle Werewolf. Search on Kickstarter for Gentle Werewolf. They have cool prizes. They're looking for just like dollar donations. They're trying to do, they're trying to Bernie Sanders it. They're trying to feel the burn and do everything at small, <laughs> small donation levels. So check that out. It's pretty cool. Uh, and that's, I think that's it for the, oh, check out the Command Zone. Jimmy and Josh. They're, I'm, like, don't know this for sure, so if they're not, don't hold me, hold it against me, Jimmy and Josh. But they're probably doing their Commander set reviews this week. So check it out. It's awesome. Commander comes out this weekend. So make sure you get your up-to-date information about what to be the best deck to pick because it's going to be awesome. Are you, do, you, do, you, do you even pay attention to that? Do you know which one of those decks you want to pick? Do you see any cool cards from the Commander set, that, the spoilers? I mean, I saw some cool cards. I didn't write anything down, so I would probably wouldn't be able to tell you the name. But I definitely some of the cards, all that happens to me is when I look at the Commander products, I go, is that ever going to get reprinted in Modern, or is the a foil version for Highlander Roulette? But if one or the other doesn't happen... You don't you don't think about, like, the Legacy... Because I know you played Legacy. Like, you know Bale for Strix exists. Where did that come from, Commander God. product? No, I used to play Legacy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, no, I mean, if, yeah, if there's, like... We're a eventually really... going to do an episode on, like, again, of what cards we want to see reprinted into the format that haven't been in, like, right. supplemental sets, and you're going to have to know. I, like, told that to my Andrew Brown once, and he was like, what a waste of time. He's like, I hate Legacy and I hate Modern. <laughs> I like, and you're good at both. Uh, yeah. what, a, what a jerk. I know. Um, uh, cool. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys next week. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>